<laughs> Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Perfecting the World a Mitzvah at a Time. This week the Torah portion is Parshish Korach and I thought I must share a thought on the Parsha before we dive in. Korach starts a rebellion against Moshe. He's complaining, he says it's not fair, the leadership Right, we've, we've, you've heard of, of such an issue before, the leadership, why are you the leader? Are you familiar with such ideas? Makorach says it's not fair. The whole, the whole method of leadership is not, it's not transparent. Moshe and Aaron, there's no transparency here. All of a sudden, you, you, you just took over and it's a family business. And so, Hashem was really not happy. And... Uh, a little bit of a discussion enthuses between Korach and Moshe. Hashem is very upset. And in chapter 16, verse 21, Hashem tells Moshe to tell all the Jewish people, He badalu hazos. Separate yourself from this congregation of Korach and his men. kiraga, and in an instant I will wipe them out. God continues, everyone should move away. After the decision that Korach is going to be swallowed up, all of a sudden, the verse says, in verse 25, Yaka Moshe, Moshe got up, Vayelech al and Vaviram, and he went to Dasan and Aviram. Something's really... We, Moshe got up and he went to Dustin and Aviram. Something doesn't make sense. The decree has already been made clear that these people are going to be swallowed. Something, something crazy is going to happen. And Moshe is now going to try and connect with them. How is he connecting with them? The, the decree has already been signed. Says Rashi, what was Moshe trying to do? Moshe got up, he dressed in his most royal clothing, he was hoping that they would at least with the majestic and angelic way that he's approaching them they're going to show him respect so they've already they've been really mean to Moshe they've started a rebellion against Moshe in particular Moshe has had a conversation to try and stop them God says I'm going to swallow them up and Moshe now, he's not using his words because the, it's already past the time for conversation, but he gets up to try at least with his, just his appearance to try and get them to do a last minute of teshuva. And here we, this lesson teaches us something phenomenal. The lesson is, we can never give up on someone, even if we know that they've been decreed that the earth is going to swallow them up. Even if, in our opinion, they are the most outlandish pe people, we can never let go of them. Moshe, these people had personally attacked Moshe. They were, God said the decree for them to be swallowed. Moshe still didn't give up on them. Very important point I thought to share. Let's jump into our... Is that like turning the other cheek? That's like... <laughs> saying that even though somebody might be mean and horrible and obnoxious to me, I should never, I should never give up on them? You should never wipe them off. You should never, what, what do you say? You say, I'm going to have nothing to do with them ever again. 
That's not really they, a Jewish trait. They don't have to be mean or horrible. Sometimes you come across people, maybe they're just very stubborn, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they're a good person, but don't talk to me about anything Jewish or anything like that. So that maybe they're not a bad person, but you just can't find a way to reach them or communicate with them. I, I, get, I get that piece. Uh, what about somebody that steals from you? So someone that steals from you, we're not saying here that you need to go and invite them to your house and leave out the money for them to take. What we are saying is... No, I'd give them the bad system. <laughs> what we are saying... Sell them your Never, never give up on them. Never give up on them means yes. If you have the ability, you think, to at least try and make some change, do that. Don't just wipe them off and say, I'll never again look at them. Another good example is that was Avraham and Saddam and Gomorrah. Saddam and Gomorrah, until the last minute Avraham was praying for them. Yes, yes, yes. What about somebody who's abusive, who does not change their ways? They'll get nicer, so that you go back? On their deathbed they might. So I will tell you, it's a good question. And the real truth is, if there's a real scenario we're talking about, that we should have that private conversation and discuss the, the dynamics of it. There may be some people you shouldn't connect with. As a I whole... I want to know so if the, there's something... We could have a private conversation about it. I'm happy to. It's not a question. I'm happy to. I, I, I think the method, message I want to share, I just actually, just this week, I read something phenomenal where someone was trying to make this same point. There are, as what I'd like to say right now, which are, that there are, there's a public message and then there's a private message. The public message is, we always need to do as, we always need to, we never close a slate. That's the public message. The private message is there may be unique circumstances where that doesn't fit in. But as a whole, the message is, to not close the slate. So like burn the bridge. The, do not burn the bridge. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that, uh, at least not at first. and this, just to, to go with the parsha a little bit, wasn't this whole, it wasn't just decreed, but then Moshe came to try to, to communicate with them in some form. It wasn't just decreed then, wasn't wasn't that decreed even before the creation of the world or something? It, like it that? is interesting in the Perkyavos, it does say that the opening of Korach was created. Right. Um, I, mean, it was, no I believe words, during the sixth day of creation. In other yeah, words, right it was really decreed. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point. Chapter 37 of Tanya, okay. page 168, chapter 37. We're in the third chapter that's discussing the importance of the physical mitzvah. Chapter 36 concluded telling us how although there are so many different worlds and we're the lowest, the darkest, this is the world that Hashem desires. This is His, his dream. When is that dream going to be complete? When Mashiach comes and the godliness that we've accomplished brought down through our actions doing Torah and mitzvahs will be revealed. That was chapter 36. Chapter 37 tells us 
how each individual mitzvah that we do, it's a bigger chapter, but the chapter is going to share how each individual mitzvah we do has a massive ripple effect. It's not just a personal effect on me. You should know when you do a mitzvah, not only are you affecting yourself, you're affecting one six hundred thousand how would you say the word? One six hundred thousand with a T right, of the entire world. Mm-hmm. So it's like when a butterfly flaps its wings in China, it ripples out in the West. Exactly. Okay. My Rosh Hashiva used to always say that. He used yeah. to say, when you put on tefillin, you're helping the Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to learn it. We're going to learn about that. We're going to learn about that. There's even some countries which today may not have any Jewish people. Those countries are still affected by our good deeds. And we're going we're to discuss that very fascinatingly how very fascinating how we as Jews are affected by them and how we physically and how we can thereby um, affect them in a good way. Rabbi, quick question. Please. Is the opposite also true? That when we don't follow Mitzvot, Absolutely. that has a well Yes, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and my Rosh Hashiva would often say that as well. <laughs> that if we do something that we think is small, we should just know that that could have a ripple effect no. in India. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But to begin this topic, let's look at the Pirkei Avos in chapter 4, the second part of chapter 4, but as I said, you know, most people in the Mishnah have a title, Rabbi. Benazai has no title. You know who else doesn't have a title? Moshe. We don't say Rabbi Moshe. When you want to refer to the Holy Moshe, we say Moshe. Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu. But as a Holy, you say Moshe. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is it that you won't Hopefully you'll, you'll talk to, we talk with the rabbis, we say, Rabbi Moshe has no title. The Rambam says that he's higher than a title. He's higher. Sometimes a title, Moshe Rabbeinu, if we would give a title to rabbi, it would be actually diminishing to his greatness. To so, Benazai is one of the people also that doesn't have a title to his name. And he shares heavy Ratzlamitzvakala. He gives us some advice, ethics. His ethics that he teaches us are when you a mitzvah comes your way, run. Ruts. Run. The opposite is also true. Toward it, not away from it. Run towards the mitzvah. Uboreach min ho'avera. Exactly like you said, if you see something bad, run as well. Run away from it. Why? One mitzvah brings another mitzvah. The opposite is also true. One avera drags you into a second avera. And the Mishnah concludes, Benazah concludes and he says, If you do one mitzvah, you know what your reward is? A mitzvah. And you know your reward is for doing an Avera? Avera. 
So Ben Azai, on a very technical level, he's telling us that Hashem rewards you. If you did one good thing, Hashem says, I want you to be the person to do another. And if you do something inappropriate, Hashem is like, you know what? You, you're, lead, you're leading yourself in a bad way. Not that you're forced to do another Avera, but you've opened yourself up to such a, such a scenario. But let's look at this on a deeper level. Sechar mitzvah mitzvah. The reward for a mitzvah, mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. Benazah is also telling us that the reward for a mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. What does mitzvah mean? What does the word mitzvah mean? Tzav is a commandment. Mitzvah, mitzvah could mean command. But mitzvah could also mean safsa connection. Shoschar mitzvah, the reward for you, that mitzvah is a connection with Hashem that you've accomplished through the mitzvah. Every time we do a mitzvah, we, the, re, the reward for that mitzvah is the very accomplishment of the mitzvah itself. Because when we do a mitzvah, when you do a mitzvah... Wasn't there an expression... When you do a mitzvah, then somebody says, Tis kila. Tis kula mitzvah. Absolutely. When you go ahead and do a mitzvah, you tell some. That's a good point. If Baruch does a mitzvah, uh, one mitzvah, I say, Baruch, Tis you should be merit to do many more mitzvahs. But the reward of a mitzvah is the act that you. You're so lucky. I'm jealous of you. You were able to go ahead Thank you so, oh my and pray this morning with tefillin on mm. and, give to, and give tzedakah? Wow. I didn't do it in your presence, but I did it. Yeah. Wow, so that means that you have ac- accomplished and drawn down Hashem mm. in some of the most powerful ways. Tefillin, it connects with your heart and your brain. We learned that charity affects you you did crazy things today. And were you safe driving here? You made sure you didn't crash? Mm. So you made you were kind to everybody on the road. Well, unsafe yesterday, but today we were safe. <laughs> you were kind to everyone on the road. And I'm going to ma- imagine you spoke nicely with people today. You were ki- were you kind? Yes. You were kind. Not realizing. <laughs> So you're so lucky you had the ability to do all those mitzvahs and draw da- draw down Hashem within each one of these mitzvahs. That is what it means. The reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. Let's see this inside. Page 168, chapter 37, right-hand column. This culminating fulfillment of the Messianic era and of the resurrection of the dead, the fulfillment of the reason of the whole creation in the time of Mashiach, and when the dead are going to come to life, and what is going to happen at that time, which is the revelation of the light of the angels, blessed is He, Hashem's light will be fully revealed in this world, in this material world, depends on our actions and service throughout the duration of the Galos. If for Hashem to come into this world and be revealed, for Hashem's master plan to be completed, it's dependent on you. 
and you alone. Each one of us, we're going to soon learn, there's no way I could do it on my own, there's no way you could do it on your own. Because each one of us, as I mentioned before, has one part that only they could touch. And actually, they're going to need to come in different Gilgulim, in different bodies, if they haven't fulfilled what they needed to in the first body. Because only you can fulfill your part. So, can I ask you a question? Let me just finish this point and then I'll sure. take the question. We, in the time of Gullus, in the time of exile, are the ones that have the ability to reveal, to, to make, to complete Hashem's plan. Yes, Gershon. Um, you just mentioned something about different Gilgadim. Yeah. Is it considered that whatever whatever is needed for you to do to help bring Mashiach, however many Gilgadim it takes, is that considered kind of predestined that that a soul will do that even if they have to come back a hundred times? I mean, is that, is, is that the thinking? That, that Are you asking if it's predestined how many souls, how many times he's going to have to come, how many times he'll have to come back into this world? Is that well, your question? Only as you mentioned that, it got me thinking. Is that The answer is... In other words, is Mashiach coming no matter what, which assumes that everybody is doing what they need to be doing in, in whatever life it is. Right. Something like that. I understand the question. We're going to get to this topic more in the chapter and hopefully we'll be able to touch more upon it then. But a question arises. Tanya is telling us that primarily in a time of Galus is when we have the ability to bring God out into this world. So let's look at this paradox. Definition of Galus? Galus is exile. A time when we are abused. We're in exile. We are not, we are not leaders of our own land. So here's the paradox. The paradox it says here is only in a time of exile do we have the ability to truly reveal God. Hmm. Hmm. Only in a period of exile, not only in a period of exile. That means that means today we have more ability than they had when the temple was when the two temples were here. Today we have more ability to reveal Hashem than when the two temples were standing. Hmm. What does that mean? What does that mean? So what you're saying is when you're in the bubble, you can't you can't see Hashem like you can see Hashem when you're outside the bubble. Hmm. No, I'm gonna argue on that. Because when you're There's in the bubble you see Hashem more revealed. Today we in exile we see Hashem. Ooh, let me re I didn't say we we see, we 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 have the ability to reveal. Oh, the, okay. In the other words, let okay. me clarify what I'm saying. Okay. No, we, okay. Our mitzvahs today bring Hashem down that He can be revealed when Mashiach comes. So let, let's just put it in other words, okay? Mark has guests right now. What, what the analogy would be is that only in a time that he can't see the guests can the guests come to his house. And then one day, so, so for example, yeah, only at a time when you can't see them can they come. And then, maybe in two days, all of a sudden you'll be able to open your eyes and see that they're there. Only in a time of Godless can we draw down God truly so in this world that will be revealed when Mashiach comes. Oh, what you're saying is that emotionally, 
right now even though my guests are there I'm not ready to see them and in two days I may be ready I may have the ability to see them yes and accept them yes yes okay. but the only way that they're able to <laughs> but the only way they're able to come is because of your hard work now okay well, well, this begs a question, right? You should, the, the obvious question is, what does this mean? Why, in a time of exile, specifically, can we draw down godliness, and in a time of Geula, redemption, that's not the real time to do it? Because it's too late. Well, because the, let's go back to, I'm talking about in a time of redemption when the temples were... When the holy temples were here, because, because it was already revealed at that time. It was already revealed. And right now, it's not because. I mean, and therefore, what they still put on the same tefillin you're putting on, they still gave the same charity. What was the difference? But they could see, but they could see it, so it was. It made sense to them that we're doing it for for a reason. It seems like today we we don't see the effects. We, you know, we don't we don't go to the, we don't have a, a big so we don't have. A what you're saying is is certainly true. God is not revealing himself is true. So let me take what you're both saying and just add a much deeper dimension. And that is, in the previous chapter we learned Hashem wants a home in the darkest place. In a time of redemption, you may be drawing God down, but you're drawing him down to a revealed place. You're not drawing him down. Hashem wants to be in the lowest of low. The lowest of low is when we are low, in the time of exile, when we don't see godliness and we still go ahead and do Torah and mitzvot in, in a tough reality, that is when we're bringing God down to the lowest of low and allowing Hashem to now be revealed with the coming of Mashiach. It's a very, very powerful message. Again, the message is that you have the ability today to do things that are greater than the Jewish people when they lived in a time of plenty. When the Jewish people, when they lived in the time of the Holy Temple. You may think the greatest era ever was the Holy Temple. Know that today you have some of the greatest powers. Not only some, actually I was learning, you have, we have the greatest power because the Zohar tells us today we are in the lowest time period ever. The time right before Mashiach is the darkest of dark. So the darker it is, the greater your, the greater the value of your mitzvah. My shemendel. So, Mark, Liz, your mitzvah today has more power than ever before. That's what we learn. Do you agree? Today is a dark time period. In some respects. In some respects. Mm-hmm. But also, I can't help but think: shouldn't the Mashiach have come and say, 1945, 46? After the camps. That's a very good question. And I agree with you. That, you that I, was a darker I, time. I, I agree with you. He should have come. Lotus of life. I agree with you. Yeah. Yes. So, you have so my support. The question is why? Why? You know what they say? They, say? they say a joke. They say that Mashiach, he comes and he goes to Stiebel of scholars and he announces himself. They say, no, no, no. Come back soon. You're too early. We didn't finish our <laughs> our talk that we wanted to give when you come. <laughs> he goes to another show. Can you stand off stage? He, they say he, no, he comes to the Hasidim and he sees that the show is a mess. They're all 
hyper after a farbrengin. The mashke is empty, not, not a drop left for him. They, and he asks, what happened? They say, you're way too late. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a picture. Yes. It's a picture. It's a picture. Beautiful pink sky. That, that was the sunset in Krakow tonight, taken by my daughter, my 17-year-old, who's gonna, heading for the concentration camps tomorrow. And I was thinking about all those Jews who just before they went into the ovens saw that. And as we're having this conversation right now, thinking to myself, why? If there were pious, let's just say there were pious Jews who were going into the ovens, who were having three nights before they went in, maybe even having the same conversation we're having tonight about mitzvah and being kind and accepting and not shutting anybody out and all that kind of stuff yet something like this still happened to our people and I'm, as i'm sitting here listening to this i'm really struggling i get how powerful this is and i'm a little overwhelmed by it but i'm I, when i saw this picture from my daughter today i thought to myself that's the same sunset they saw when they just before they went into the ovens can i say one thought that i have I, I don't think I have a direct answer. I mean, I what you said is very powerful. I couldn't answer that. But, but perhaps by going sideways. So that happened, you know, in the concentration camps. That was, what, 1900 years after the beginning of the Galut? Maybe if, but even after that, the Jewish people still continued to survive. Maybe had they not had collectively as a nation those thoughts that Rabbi was talking about there might not have been they might not have even gotten to that point the Jewish people might have died out 1500 years earlier or something in other words that, oh, that, yeah, that, that, that irony of what an awful thing yeah. but, but that, that high level thinking is maybe what allowed not as an individual person but as a people to to go. I mean, it's, it's tough to answer. Yeah. Yeah. That the land of Israel came out of the ashes. Right. It's tough to answer I mean, I, that. I, 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 this is, this, yeah. I'm always speechless because I'm, right. I'm so emotional around sure. it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to reiterate what I tell my Shemandal. You're right, and there's no answer. Tanya here is not, God forbid, for a moment, explaining to you why the, any good of the Holocaust. Not for a moment. And and there's no understanding to such a thing. So I agree with you. I agree with you. And that, that uh, we can only cry to God and say this is unacceptable. And we need, like we're learning now, we need, we need Mashiach. It was a very, a point well taken. Hmm. Is that a picture your daughter sent? Just today, oh, yeah. Wow, She's nice. there right now. Wow. <laughs> you know, to digress, because we're talking about it and people, I just, no, not to digress, let's get inside, okay. So the, com the reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. Ah, ah, this is what we just said. That 
throughout the duration of the galos, the, the work we do during galos is much greater than the work that is done in a time of Geula. Continues Tanya. For what causes the reward of a commandment? What is the reward for doing a mitzvah? The commandment itself. The fact that you are lucky enough to do this mitzvah. That is the greatest re reward. Because by virtue of performing it, the person brings a flood of light of the ain't so blessed is he from above downward. Just the, ability, the, the idea that you're sitting here now at a Torah class, whatever mitzvah you do, the biggest reward is that you're able to do that mitzvah and draw down Hashem. I love these wordings. I love this, this wording. A flood of light of the Ein Sof from above downward to be closed in the corporate reality of the world. The fact that you have the ability to bring Hashem into the physical world. And Tanya continues, what do you mean by the physical world? We're talking about the low physical world in something that was previously under the dominion of the Klippas Noga. You brought God down into something that was previously in Klippas Noga. What's Klippas Noga? Klippas Noga is energy that could be good or could be bad. We know there's bad energy. In Kabbalah, that's called the three bad energies, the Shalosh Klippos males. There is good energy, of course. And then there's Klippas Noga, which is the middle. So when you go ahead and do a mitzvah with water, you go ahead and do a mitzvah with your car, well, your car could do good things, it could do bad things. The water could be used for good things, it could be used for bad things. When, or the three examples Tanya is going to give here. You could take an animal and do bad things with it, or you could go ahead and use it for your tefillin. You could go ahead and eat fruits that are inappropriate. For example, the first three years of the, the fruits that are given off from a tree, the first three years are called Arla. And those fruits, we learn, have no good whatsoever in them. You're not allowed to eat them. Those are inappropriate fruit for you to eat. Or you could go ahead and you take a citrus and use it for an esrog. You could go ahead and use your money for good things. You probably could imagine some things you could use your money for the opposite. So when we go ahead and take things that could be used for the good or for the bad and use it for the good, the, the amount of godliness that comes on us, that is the biggest reward that you could imagine. It's kind of like two friends. Or let's just say in a relationship of a husband and wife. The, big, the, the biggest reward that a spouse could give each other is themselves. Let's see that inside. For what causes the reward of a commandment is the commandment itself because by virtue of performing it the person brings down a flood of light of the angels of blessed is he from above downward to be clothed in the corporeality of the world in something that was previously under the dominion of the Klippat Noga from, from which it had received its vitality. What comes from Klippas Noga? These are all those things that are ritually clean and permissible. Mm. Wherewith 
the precept of action is performed. That means it's something that's permissible. We didn't say it's good, we said it's permissible. And you did a mitzvah with it. For example, parchment used in the tefillin, mezuzah, and the Torah scroll, as taught by the rabbis, that the, the parchment that you use for tefillin, that nothing is fitting for a sacred purpose which is not clean and permissible for consumption. So actually the the skin, the uh, leather you have in your tefillin needs to be tfil- needs to be leather from a kosher animal. Similarly, an etrog which is not arla. If you use an etrog, but you're using an etrog that is not arla, meaning it's the fourth year, you're allowed to use it out. So now you've taken something permissible, you're using it for the good. Skip the note. So too money given to charity, which cannot be dishonestly acquired, and similarly with other things. You see, Tanya here is being very clear. The money was acquired truthfully. The fruit you're using is fruit that's allowed to be eaten. The animals are kosher animals, because Tanya is telling us a very deep message. You could only, and, and we've spoken about this many times, you could only make someone else happy the way they want to be happy. You could try to make them... Are you familiar, just, are you familiar with a book called The Five Love Languages? The book they have, it, they have it for educators. Just in an educational level, the theory is that some children, if you want to be able to connect with them, the way you're going to connect with them is by giving them time, talking to them one-on-one. Some children, they couldn't care less. The way you'll connect with them is if you're going to go ahead and one day you'll bring them a treat, you'll give them a gift. Other children, they actually, you, they want you to put your hand on their shoulder. Five different ways of connecting with them. Hashem has told us how to connect with Him. We could try as much as we want to connect with Him with stolen money. That's not going to cut it. The way to connect with Him is by using kosher animals, by using an esrog that's allowed to be eaten, by using honestly earned money. And that's what the note now is going to say. Let's look in the note. <laughs> For orla, that means fruit, within the first three years of a tree's growth, is one of the three completely impure klipot that can never ascend into holiness. Don't ask me why. I don't know. I'm not sure the, the, the reasoning why. But for the first three years of fruit, we say that the energy within them is completely impure and cannot be elevated. You can make as many blessings as you want over it, you will not be able to elevate it. As explained in Eitz Chaim, next page. And similarly, the performance of any precept involving a transgression, God forbid, all of them have the completely impure energy and cannot be elevated. Can I ask you a question? Yes, please. Similarly, the performance of any precept. Yeah. Does that mean mitzvah? Yeah, yeah. Precept, in our context, means a mitzvah. So let's let's put it all together, and, the, and we're going to continue through the end of the paragraph on the next page. So we've learned so far the greatest thing you could do is draw down Hashem in something that was previously in between. It was able to be used for good or bad. The kosher animal, not every kosher animal is used for good things. Mm-hmm. And not... Every kosher esrog kosher is used for good things and not every, not all money that was earned honestly is used for good things. But when you do, you have drawn down Hashem in, the, in, in a tremendous way. Thus, we're now on the first word 
of page 170 after the note, when a person performs the divine commandment and will by means of these clean things, you're using these permissible things and you're doing a mitzvah, the vitality that is in them ascends and is dissolved and absorbed into the light of the Ain't Sof. Blessed is he, which is his will. Blessed be he. That is closed in them. So when you do a mitzvah, the energy that was inside of that kosher animal, the energy that was inside of that esrog, the energy that's inside of that money, is now united with Hashem, and ascends, dissolves, and is absorbed with Hashem. Since therein there is no concealment of countenance whatsoever to obscure His light, blessed be He. Hashem, the, the mitzvah you did, there's nothing concealing Hashem within it, and it has the ability to grab the energy within these items and completely unite with them. So what's the message here? The message, the current message we're learning is that every time we've taken something that is, could be used for good or bad, and we use it for good, we've, we've drawn down Hashem in a tremendous, tremendous way. Now, let's learn, we've learned that talking about others, about the kosher animal, about the food, about the money. What about myself? What about you and I? When you do a mitzvah, how are you personally affected? Because your animalistic soul I don't know about you, I only know about myself. Sometimes it thinks about things that it shouldn't be thinking about. Right? So it also has that ability to do good or bad. So in, the, in like manner, the energy of the vital animal soul, the animal soul that, that is within you, which is in the organs of the body of the person performing the commandment, is also closed in this performance. So when you do that mitzvah, you went ahead and you, you gave charity, not only did you elevate the charity, you, elevate, you elevated any part of your body that was involved in giving that charity. And the energy within you rises from the klipa and is absorbed into the holiness of the mitzvah, which is His will, blessed be He, and is dissolved into the light of the Ain't Self, blessed is He. So just as the energy within the money, the animal with which is, is elevated, so too the energy within you that was involved in that mitzvah is elevated. Are there any questions? So let we'll conclude here. Next week we're not going to have class because Tuesday, next Tuesday, there's going to be a special Farbrengan video presentation in honor of the third of Tammuz. The third of Tammuz is this Shabbos. That's the day that the Rebbe passed away, and so we'll have a special a special Farbrengan gathering next Tuesday. It's going to be at Chabad of the East Side. Yes, yes, yes. I don't remember the exact date. I'm Tommy Jolly. And we'll uh, continue in two weeks.